Act 5 of The Provoked Wife, a comedy by John Van Brugh. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act 5. Scene, Lady Fanciful's House. Enter Lady Fanciful and Mademoiselle. Well, Mademoiselle, did you dog the filthy things? Oh, que oui, madame. And where are they? Au logis. What? Men and all? Tous ensemble. Oh, confidence. What carry their fellows to their own house? C'est que le mari n'y est pas. No, so I believe truly. But he shall be there, and quickly too, if I can find him out. Well, it is a prodigious thing to see when men and women get together how they fortify one another in their impudence. But if that drunken fool, her husband, he to be found ere in a tavern in town, I'll send him amongst them. I'll spoil their sport. En vérité, madame, ce serait dommage. Tis in vain to oppose it, mademoiselle. Therefore, never go about it. For I am the steadiest creature in the world when I have determined to do mischief. So come along. Exuant. Scene. Sir John Brute's house. Enter Constant, Hartfrey, Lady Brute, Belinda, and Lovewell. Are you sure you don't mistake, Lovewell? Madam, I saw them all go into the tavern together, and my master was so drunk he could scarce stand. Then, gentlemen... I believe we may venture to let you stay and play at cards with us an hour or two, for they'll scarce part till morning. I think tis pity they should ever part. The company that's here, madam. Then, sir, the company that's here must remember to part itself in time. Madam, we don't intend to forfeit your future favours, by an indiscreet usage of this, the moment you give us the signal, we shan't fail to make our retreat. Upon those conditions, then, let us sit down to cards. Enter Lovewell. Oh, Lord, madam, here's my master just staggering in upon you. He has been quarrelsome yonder, and they have kicked him out of the company. Into the closet, gentlemen, for heaven's sake. I'll wheedle him to bed, if possible. Constant and Hartfrey run into the closet. Enter Sir John, all dirt and bloody. Oh, oh, he's all over blood. What a plague does the one squall for? Did you never see a man in pickle before? Lord, where have you been? I've been at cuffs. I fear that is not all. I hope you are not wounded. Sound as a roach, wife. I'm mighty glad to hear it. You know, I think you lie. You do me wrong to think so. For heaven's my witness. I had rather see my own blood trickle down than yours. Then will I be crucified. Tis a hard fate I should not be believed. Tis a damned atheistical age, wife. 
I am sure I have given you a thousand tender proofs how great my care is of you. But, spite of all your cruel thoughts, I'll still persist, and at this moment, if I can, persuade you to lie down and sleep a little. Why, you think I'm drunk? You slut, you. Heaven forbid I should, but I'm afraid you are feverish. Pray, let me feel your pulse. Stand off and be damned. Why, I see your distemper in your very eyes. You are all on fire. Pray, go to bed. Let me entreat you. Come, kiss me then. Lady Brute kissing him. There. Now go. Aside. He stinks like poison. I see it goes damnably against your stomach. And therefore, kiss me again. Nay, now you fool me. Do it, I say. Lady Brute, aside. Ah, Lord, have mercy upon me. Well, there. Now will you go? Now, wife, you shall see my gratitude. You gave me two kisses. I'll give you two hundred. Kisses and tumbles her. Oh, Lord! Pray, Sir John, be quiet. Heavens, what a pickle am I in! Belinda, aside. If I were in her pickle, I'd call my gallant out of the closet, and he should cudgel him soundly. So, now you being as dirty and as nasty as myself, we may go pig together. But first I must have a cup of your cold tea, wife. Going to the closet. Oh, I am ruined. There's none there, my dear. I warrant you all find some, my dear. You can't open the door. The lock's spoiled. I have been turning and turning the key this half hour to no purpose. I'll send for the smith tomorrow. There's ne'er a smith in Europe can open a door with more expedition than I can do. As for example, poof! He bursts open the door with his foot. Oh, now, what the devil have we got here? Constant, heart-free, and two whores again, egad. This is the worst cold tea <laughs> that ever I met with in my life. Enter Constant and Heartfree, Lady Brute aside. Oh, Lord, what will become of us? Gentlemen, I am your very humble servant. I give you many thanks. I see you take care of my family. I shall do all I can to return the obligation. 
Sir, how oddly soever this business may appear to you, you would have no cause to be uneasy if you knew the truth of all things. Your lady is the most virtuous woman in the world, and nothing has passed but an innocent frolic. Nothing else, upon my honour, sir. You are both very civil gentlemen, and my wife there is a very civil gentlewoman. Therefore I don't doubt but many civil things have passed between you. Your very humble servant. Lady Brute, aside to Constant. Pray, be gone. He's so drunk he can't hurt us tonight. And tomorrow morning you shall hear from us. I'll obey you, madam. Sir, when you are cool, you'll understand reason better. So then, I shall take the pains to inform you. If not, I wear a sword, sir, and so good-bye to ye. Come along, heart-free. Exit. Wear a sword, sir. And what of all that, sir? He comes to my house, eats my meat, lies with my wife, dishonours my family, gets a bastard to inherit my estate. And when I ask a civil account of all this, Sir, he says, I wear a sword. Wear a sword, sir. Yes, sir, says he, I wear a sword. It may be a good answer at cross-purposes, but it is a damn one to a man in my whimsical circumstance. Sir, says he, I wear a sword. To Lady Brute. And what do you wear now? Ah, tell me. Sitting down in a great chair. What? You are modest and can't. Why then? I'll tell you, you slut you. You wear an impudent lewd face, a damn designing heart, and a tail, and a tail full of. He falls fast asleep, snoring. So, thanks to kind heaven, he's fast for some hours. Tis well he is so, that we may have time to lay our story handsomely, for we must lie like the devil to bring ourselves off. What shall we say, Belinda? Belinda, musing. I'll tell you, it must be all light upon Hartfree and I. We'll say he has courted me some time, but for reasons unknown to us, has ever been very earnest the thing might be kept from Sir John, that therefore, hearing him upon the stairs, he ran into the closet, though against our will, and constant with him, to prevent jealousy. 
and to give this a good impudent face of truth, that I may deliver you from the trouble you are in. I'll even, if he pleases, marry him. I'm beholden to you, cousin, but that would be carrying the jest a little too far for your own sake. You know he's a younger brother and has nothing. Tis true, but I like him and have fortune enough to keep above extremity. I can't say I would live with him in a cell, upon love and bread and butter, but I had rather have the man I love and a middle state of life than that gentleman in the chair there and twice your ladyship's splendor. In truth, niece, you are in the right on it, for I am very uneasy with my ambition. But perhaps, had I married as you'll do, I might have been as ill-used. Some risk I do confess, there always is. But if a man has the least spark, either of honor or good nature, he can never use a woman ill that loves him and makes his fortune both. Yet I must own to you some little struggling I still have with this teasing ambition of ours. For pride, you know, is as natural to a woman as to a saint. I can't help being fond of this rogue, and yet it goes to my heart to think I must never whisk to Hyde Park with above a pair of horses, have no coronet upon my coach, nor a page to carry up my train. But above all, that business of place, well, taking a place is a noble prerogative. Especially after a quarrel. Or of a rival. But pray say no more on it, for fear I change my mind. For, oh, my conscience, were not for your affair in the balance, I should go near to pick up some odious man of quality yet, and only take poor heart free for a gallant. Then him you must have, however things go? Yes. Why, we may pretend what we will, but tis a hard matter to live without the man we love. Especially when we are married to the man we hate. Pray tell me, do the men of the town ever believe us virtuous when they see us do so? Oh, no, nor indeed, hardly, let us do what we will. The most of them think there is no such thing as virtue, considered in the strictest notions of it, and therefore, when you hear them say such a one is a woman of reputation, they only mean she is a woman of discretion. For they consider we have no more religion than they have, nor so much morality. And between you and I, Belinda, I'm afraid the want of inclination seldom protects any of us. But what think you of the fear of being found out? I think that never kept any woman virtuous long. We are not such cowards neither. No, let us once pass fifteen, and we have too good an opinion of our own cunning to believe the world can penetrate into what we would keep a secret. And so, in short, we cannot reasonably blame the men for judging of us by themselves. But sure we are not so wicked as they are, after all. We are as wicked, child, but our vice lies another way. Men have more courage than we, so they commit more bold, impudent sins. They quarrel, fight, swear, drink, blaspheme, and the like, whereas we... 
being cowards, only backbite, tell lies, cheat at cards, and so forth. But tis late. Let's end our discourse for tonight, and, out of an excess of charity, take a small care of that nasty, drunken thing there. Do but look at him, Belinda. Ah, tis a savory dish. As savory as tis, I'm cloyed with it. Prithee, call the butler to take it away. Call the butler, call the scavenger. To a servant within. Who's there? Call Razor. Let him take away his master, scour him clean with a little soap and sand, and so put him to bed. Come, Belinda, I'll e'en lie with you tonight, and in the morning... We'll send for our gentlemen to set this matter even. With all my heart. Good night, my dear. Making a low curtsy to Sir John. Both. <laughs> <laughs> Exuant. Enter Razor. My lady, there's a wag. My master, there's a cuckold. Marriage is a slippery thing. Women have depraved appetites. My lady is a wag. I have heard all. I have seen all. I understand all, and I'll tell all. For my little French woman loves news dearly. The story will gain her heart, or nothing will. To his master. Come, sir, your head's too full of fumes at present to make room for your jealousy. But I reckon we shall have rare work with you when your pate's empty. Come to your kennel, you cuckoldy drunken sot, you. Carries him out upon his back. Scene, Lady Fanciful's house. Enter Lady Fanciful and Mademoiselle. But why did you not tell me before, Mademoiselle, that Razor and you were found? De modestie hinder me, madame. Why, truly, modesty does often hinder us from doing things we have an extravagant mind to. But does he love you well enough yet to do anything you bid him? Do you think, to oblige you, he would speak scandal? Madame, to oblige your ladyship, he shall speak blasphemy. Why then, mademoiselle, I'll tell you what you shall do. You shall engage him to tell his master all that passed at Spring Garden. I have a mind he should know what a wife and a niece he has got. Il le fera, madame. Enter a footman who speaks to Mademoiselle apart. Mademoiselle, yonder Mr. Razor desires to speak with you. Tell him I come presently. Exit, footman. Razor be there, madame. That's fortunate. Well, I'll leave you together. And if you find him stubborn, mademoiselle, hark you, don't refuse him a few little reasonable liberties to put him into humour. Laissez-moi faire. Exit, Lady Fanciful. Razor peeps in, and seeing Lady Fanciful gone, runs to Mademoiselle, takes her about the neck, and kisses her. How now, confidence? How now, modesty? 
make you so familiar, Sira? My impudence, hussy. Stand off, rogue face. Ah, mademoiselle, great news at our house. Why, what be the matter? Uh, the matter? Why, uptails, all's the matter. To the mock de moi. Now do you long to know the particulars? The time when, the place where, the manner how? But I don't tell you a word more. Nay, didn't thou kill me, Razor? Come kiss me, then. Clapping his hands behind him. Nay, pretty, tell me. Good-bye to ye. Going. Old, old, I will kiss thee. Kissing him. Uh, so that's civil. Why now, my pretty Paul, uh, my goldfinch, uh, my little water wagtail. You must know that... Ah, uh, oh, come, kiss me again. I won't kiss thee no more. Goodbye to ye. Going. Doucement. There. Es-tu content? Kissing him. So, now I'll tell thee all. Why, the news is that Cuckoldum in folio is duly printed, and Matrimony in quarto is just going into the press. Will you buy any books, mademoiselle? Tu parles comme un libraire. The devil no understand thee. Why, then, that I may make myself intelligible to a waiting woman, I'll speak like a valet de chambre. My lady has cuckolded my master. Bon. Which we take very ill from her hands, I can tell her that. We can't yet prove matter-of-fact upon her. N'importe. But we can prove that matter-of-fact had like to have been upon her. Oui, da. For we have such bloody circumstances. Sans doute. That any man of parts may draw tickling conclusions from him. Fort bien. We found a couple of tight, well-built gentlemen stuffed into her ladyship's closet. Le diable. And I, in my particular person, have discovered a most damnable plot. How to persuade my poor master that all his hide-and-seek, this will in the wisp, has no other meaning than a Christian marriage for sweet Mrs. Belinda. A mariage? Oh, les drôles! Don't you interrupt me, hussy. Tis agreed, I say. And my innocent lady, to wriggle herself out at the back door of the business, turns marriage bond to her niece, and resolves to deliver up her fair body to be tumbled and mumbled by that young licorice whipster, heart-free. Now, are you satisfied? No. Right, woman. Always gaping for more. This be all, then, that thou know? All? I and a great deal, too, I think. Thou be fool, thou know nothing. Écoute, mon pauvre razor. Thou sees these two eyes? These two eyes have seen the devil. The woman's mad. In spring garden, that rogue constant meet thy lady. Bon. I'll tell thee no more. Nay, prithee, my swan. Come, kiss me then. Clapping her hands behind her as he did before. I won't kiss you, not I. Adieu. Going. Hold. 
Uh, now proceed. Gives her a hearty kiss. Ah, sir, I hide myself in one cunning place where I hear all and see all. First, thy drunken master come mal a propos, but the son not know his own dear wife, so he leave her to her sport. Then the game begin. The lover say soft thing. The lady look upon the ground. As she speaks, Razor still acts the man and she the woman. He take her by the hand. She turn her head on other way. Then he squeeze very hard. Then she pull very softly. Then he take her in his arm. Then she give him little pet. Then he kiss her teton. Then she say, Pish, nay, see. Then he tremble. Then she sigh. Then he pull her into the arbor. Then she pinch him. Aye, but not so hard, you baggage, you. Then he grow bold. She grow weak. He throw her down. Il tombe dessus. Le diable assiste. Il emporte tout. Razor struggles with her as if he would throw her down. Stand off, Sirah. You have set me afire, you jade, you. Then go to the river and quench thyself. What an unnatural harlot tis. Razor. Looking languishingly on him. Mademoiselle. Thou not love me? Not love thee? More than a Frenchman does soup. Then thou wilt refuse nothing that I bid thee? Don't bid me be damned, then. No, only tell thy master all I have tell thee of thy lady. Why, you little malicious trumpet, you, should you like to be served so? Thou dispute, then? Adieu. Hold, but why wilt thou make me such a rogue, my dear? Voilà un vrai Anglais. Il est amoureux, et cependant il veut raisonner. Va-t'en au diable. Hold once more. In hopes thou'lt give me up thy body, I resign thee my soul. Bon, écoute donc. If thou fail me, I never see thee more. If thou obey me, je m'abandonne à toi. She takes him about the neck and gives him a smacking kiss. Exit Mademoiselle, Razor licking his lips. Not to be a rogue. Amor vincit omnia. Exit Razor. Enter Lady Fanciful and Mademoiselle. Marry, say ye? Will the two things marry? On va le faire, madame. Look, you, mademoiselle, in short, I can't bear it. No, I find I can't. For once I see em in bed together, I shall have ten thousand thoughts in my head will make me run distracted. Therefore run and call Razor back immediately, for something must be done to stop this impertinent wedding. If I can but defer it four and twenty hours, I'll make such a work about town with that little pert slut's reputation. He shall as soon as marry a witch. Mademoiselle aside. La voilà bien intentionnée. Exuant. Scene. Constance lodgings. 
Enter Constant and Heartfree. But what dost think will become of this business? Tis easier to think, but will not come on it. What's that? A challenge. I know the knight too well for that. His dear body will always prevail upon his noble soul to be quiet. But though he dare not challenge me, perhaps he may venture to challenge his wife. Not if you whisper him in the ear. You won't have him do it, and there's no other way left that I see. For as drunk as he was, he'll remember you and I were where we shouldn't not be, and I don't think him quite blackhead enough yet to be persuaded we were got into his wife's closet only to peep into her prayer book. Enter a servant with a letter. Sir, here's a letter. A porter brought it. Oh, ho! Here's instructions for us. Reads. The accident that has happened has touched our invention to the quick. We would fain come off without your help, but find that's impossible. In a word, the whole business must be thrown upon a matrimonial intrigue between your friend and mine. But if the parties are not fond enough to go quite through with the matter, tis sufficient for our turn. They own the design. We'll find pretenses enough to break the match. Adieu. Well, woman for invention, how long would my blockhead have been producing this? Hey, Hartfree, what musing man? Prithee be cheerful. What sayest thou, friend, to this matrimonial remedy? Why, I say, tis worse than the disease. Here's a fellow for you. There's beauty and money on her side, and love up to the ears on his, and yet... And yet I think I may reasonably be allowed to boggle at marrying the niece, in the very moment that you are debauching the aunt. Why, truly, there may be something in that. But have not you a good opinion enough of your own parts to believe you could keep a wife to yourself? I should have, if I had a good opinion enough of hers, to believe she could do as much by me. For to do em right, after all, the wife seldom rambles till the husband shows her the way. Tis true, a man of real worth scarce ever is a cuckold, but by his own fault. Women are not naturally lewd. There must be something to urge em to it. They'll cuckold a churl out of revenge, a fool because they despise him, a beast because they loathe him. But when they make bold with a man they once had a well-grounded value for, tis because they first see themselves neglected by him. Nay. Were I well assured that I should never grow, Sir John, I never should fear Belinda would play my lady. But our weakness, thou knowest, my friend, consists in that very change we so impudently throw upon, indeed, a steadier and more generous sex. Why, faith, we are a little impudent in that matter. That's the truth, aunt. But... This is wonderful. 
to see you grown so warm an advocate for those whom, but t'other day, you took so much pains to abuse. All revolutions run into extremes. The bigot makes the boldest atheist and the coyest saint, the most extravagant strumpet. But prithee, advise me in this good and evil, this life and death, this blessing and cursing that's set before me. Shall I marry or die a maid? Why, faith, heart-free, matrimony is like an army going to engage, loves the forlorn hope which is soon cut off, the marriage knot is the main body which may stand buff a long, long time, and repentance is the rear-guard which rarely gives ground as long as the main body has a being. Conclusion, then, you advise me to whore on as you do. That's not concluded yet, for though marriage be a lottery, in which there are a wondrous many blanks, yet there is one inestimable lot, in which the only heaven on earth is written. Would your kind fate but guide your hand to that, though I were wrapped in all that luxury could itself clothe me with, I still should envy you. And justly, too. For to be capable of loving one, doubtless, is better than to possess a thousand. But how far that capacity's in me, alas, I know not. But you would know. I would so. Matrimony will inform you. Come, one flight of resolution carries you to the land of experience, where, in a very moderate time, You'll know the capacity of your soul and your body both, or I'm mistaken. Exuent. Scene. Sir John Brute's house. Enter Lady Brute and Belinda. Well, madam, what answer have you from them? That they'll be here this moment. I fancy it will end in a wedding. I'm sure he's a fool if it don't. Ten thousand pounds... And such a lass as you are is no contemptible offer to a younger brother. But are not you under strange agitations? Prithee, how does your pulse beat? High and low, I have much ado to be valiant. Sure it must feel very strange to go to bed to a man. Um, it does feel a little odd at first. But it will soon grow easy to you. Enter Constant and Harpfree. Good morrow, gentlemen. Have you slept after your adventure? Some careful thoughts, ladies, on your accounts, have kept us waking. And some careful thoughts on your own, I believe, have hindered you from sleeping. Pray, how does this matrimonial project relish with you? Why, faith, even as storming towns does with soldiers, where the hope of delicious plunder banishes the fear of being knocked on the head. Is it then possible, after all, that you dare think of downright lawful wedlock? Madam, you have made me so foolhardy, I dare do anything. Then, sir, I challenge you, 
and matrimony's the spot where I expect you. Tis enough. I'll not fail. Aside. So, now I am in for Hobbes' voyage, a great leap in the dark. Well, gentlemen, this matter being concluded, then, have you got your lessons ready? For Sir John is grown such an atheist of late, he'll believe nothing upon easy terms. We'll find ways to extend his faith, madam. But pray, how do you find him this morning? Most lamentably morose, chewing the cud after last night's discovery, of which, however, he had but a confused notion e'en now. But I'm afraid the valet de chambre has told him all, for they are very busy together at this moment. When I told him of Belinda's marriage, I had no other answer but a grunt, from which you may draw what conclusions you think fit. But to your notes, gentlemen, he's here. Enter Sir John and Razor. Good morrow, sir. Good morrow, Sir John. I'm very sorry my indiscretion should cause so much disorder in your family. Disorders generally come from indiscretion, sir. She's no strange thing at all. I hope, my dear, you are satisfied there was no wrong intended you. None, my dove. If not, I hope my consent to marry Mr. Hartfree will convince you. For as little as I know of Amor, sir, I can assure you one intrigue is enough to bring four people together without further mischief. And I know, too, that intrigues tend to procreation of more kinds than one. One increase will beget another as soon as beget a son or daughter. I am very sorry, sir, to see you still seem unsatisfied with a lady whose more than common virtue, I am sure, were she my wife, should meet a better usage. Sir, if her conduct has put a trick upon her virtue, her virtue's the bubble... But her husband's the loser. Sir, you have received a sufficient answer already to justify both her conduct and mine. You'll pardon me for meddling in your family affairs, but I perceive I am the man you are jealous of, and therefore it concerns me. Would it did not concern me? then I should not care who it concerned. Well, sir, if truth and reason won't content you, I know but one way more, which, if you think fit, you may take. Lord, sir, you are very hasty. If I had been found at prayers in your wife's closet, I should have allowed you twice as much time to come to yourself in. Nay, sir, if time be all you want, we have no quarrel. I told you how the sword would work upon him. Sir John muses. Let him muse. However, I'll lay fifty pound our foreman brings us in, not guilty. 
Sir John aside. Tis well, tis very well. In spite of that young jade's matrimonial intrigue, I am a downright stinking cuckold. Here they are. Boo! Putting his hand to his forehead. Methinks I could butt with a bull. What the plague did I marry her for? I knew she did not like me. If she had, she would have lain with me. For I would have done so because I liked her. But that's past and I have her. And now what shall I do with her? If I put my horns into my pocket, she'll grow insolent. If I don't, that goat there, that stallion, is ready to whip me through the guts. The debate, then, is reduced to this. Shall I die a hero, or live a rascal? Why, wiser men than I have long since concluded that a living dog is better than a dead lion. To Constant and Hartfree. Gentlemen, now my wine and my passion are governable, I must own I have never observed anything in my wife's course of life to back me in my jealousy of her. But jealousy's a mark of love. So she need not trouble her head about it, as long as I make no more words on't. Lady Fanciful enters disguised and addresses to Belinda apart. I'm glad to see your reason rule at last. Give me your hand. I hope you'll look upon me as you are wont. Your humble servant. Aside. A wheedling son of a whore. And that I may be sure you are friends with me too, pray. Give me your consent to wed your niece. Sir, you have it with all my heart. Damn me if you hadn't. Aside. Tis time to get rid of her. A young pert pimp. She'll make an incomparable board in a little time. Enter a servant who gives Hartfree a letter. Hartfree, your husband, you say? Tis impossible. Would to kind heaven it were, but tis too true, and in the world there lives not such a wretch. I'm young, and either I have been flattered by my friends as well as the glass, or nature has been kind and generous to me. I had a fortune, too, was greater far than he could ever hope for. But with my heart I am robbed of all the rest. I am slighted, and I am beggared of both at once. I have scarce a bare subsistence from the villain, yet dare complain to none, for he has sworn, if ever tis known I'm his wife, he'll murder me. Weeping. The traitor! I accidentally was told he courted you. 
charity soon prevailed upon me to prevent your misery, and, as you see, I'm still so generous even to him, as not to suffer he should do a thing for which the law might take away his life. Weeping. Poor creature, how I pity her. They continue talking aside, heartfree aside. Death and damnation. Let me read it again. Reads. Though I have a particular reason not to let you know who I am till I see you, yet you'll easily believe tis a faithful friend that gives you this advice. I have lain with Belinda. Good. I have a child by her. Better and better. Which is now at nurse. Heaven be praised. And I think the foundation laid for another. Ha! Oh, true penny. No rack could have tortured this story from me. But friendship has done it. I heard of your design to marry her, and could not see you abused. Make use of my advice, but keep my secret till I ask you for it again. Adieu. Exit Lady Fanciful. Constant to Belinda. Come, madam, shall we send for the parson? I doubt here's no business for the lawyer. Younger brothers have nothing to settle but their hearts, and that, I believe, my friend here has already done very faithfully. Belinda scornfully. Are you sure, sir, there are no old mortgages upon it? Heartfree, coldly. If you think there are, madam, it mayn't be amiss to defer the marriage till you are sure they are paid off. Belinda, aside. How the gallant horse kicks. Too heartfree. We'll defer it as long as you please, sir. The more time we take to consider on it, madam, the less apt we shall be to commit oversights. Therefore, if you please, we will put it off for just nine months. Guilty consciences make men cowards. I don't wonder you want time to resolve. And they make women desperate. I don't wonder why you are so quickly determined. What does the fellow mean? What does the lady mean? Zooms, what do you both mean? Hartfrey and Belinda walk chasing about. Razor aside. Here is so much sport going to be spoiled. It makes me ready to weep again. The pox of this impertinent lady fanciful, and her plots, and her French woman, too. She's a whimsical, ill-natured bitch, and when I have got my bones broke in her service, tis ten to one, but my recompense is a clap. I hear them tittering without still. I cod, I'll e'en go lug them both in by the ears, and discover the plot to secure my pardon. Exit Razor. Prithee, explain, Hartfree. A fair deliverance. Thank my stars and my friend. Tis well it went no farther. A base fellow. What can be the meaning of all this? What's his meaning? I don't know. But mine is that if I had married him, I had had no husband. And what's her meaning? I don't know. But mine is 
that if I had married her, I had had wife enough. Your people of wit have got such cramped ways of expressing themselves, they seldom comprehend one another. Pox take you both. Will you speak that you may be understood? Enter Razor in sackcloth, pulling in Lady Fanciful and Mademoiselle. If they won't, here comes an interpreter. Heavens! What have we here? A villain, but a repenting villain. Stuff which saints in all ages have been made of. Razor! What means this sudden metamorphose? Nothing without my pardon. What pardon do you want? Imprimis, your ladyships, for a damnable lie made upon your spotless virtue, and set to the tune of Spring Garden. To Sir John. Next at my generous master's feet I bend, for interrupting his more noble thoughts with phantoms of disgraceful cockledom. To Constant. Thirdly, I to this gentleman apply for making him the hero of my romance. To Hartfrey. Fourthly, your pardon, noble sir, I ask, for clandestinely marrying you, without either bidding of bands, bishop's license, friend's consent, or your own knowledge. To Belinda. And lastly, to my good young lady's clemency I come, for pretending the corn was sowed in the ground before ever the plough had been in the field. Sir John aside. So that, after all, tis a moot point, whether I am a cuckold or not. Well, sir, upon condition you confess all, I'll pardon you myself, and try to obtain as much from the rest of the company. But I must know, then, who tis has put you upon all this mischief. Satan and his equipage. Woman tempted me. Lust weakened me. And so the devil overcame me. As fell Adam, so fell I. Then pray, Mr. Adam, will you make us acquainted with your Eve? Razor to Mademoiselle. Unmask for the honor of France. Me ask ten thousand pardon of all the good company. Why, this mystery thickens instead of clearing up. To Razor. You son of a whore, you. Put us out of our pain. One moment brings sunshine. Showing Mademoiselle. Tis true this is the woman that tempted me, but this is the serpent that tempted the woman, and if my prayers might be heard, her punishment for so doing should be like the serpents of old. Pulls off Lady Fanciful's mask. She should lie upon her face all the days of her life. Lady, Lady Fanciful. Fanciful! Impertinent! Ridiculous! <laughs> I hope your ladyship will give me leave to wish you joy, since you have owned your marriage yourself. Too heart-free. I vow to a strangely wicked in you to think of another wife, when you had one already so charming as her ladyship. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Fanciful, aside. 
confusion seize him as it seizes me. Que le diable étouffe ce moreau de résort. Your ladyship seems disordered. A breeding qualm, perhaps. Mr. Hartfree, your bottle of Hungary water to your lady. Why, madam, he stands so unconcerned, as if he were your husband in earnest. Your mirth as nauseous as yourself, Belinda. You think you triumph over a rival now. Alas, mon pauvre ville, whenever I'm a rival, there's no cause for mirth. No, my poor wretch. "'Tis from another principle I have acted. "'I knew that thing there would make so perverse a husband "'and you so impertinent a wife "'that left your mutual plague should make you both run mad. "'I charitably would have broke the match.' <laughs> "'Exit, laughing affectedly, Mademoiselle following her. Sir John aside. Why now, this woman will be married to somebody too. Poor creature, what a passion she's in, but I forgive her. Since you have so much goodness for her, I hope you'll pardon my offense too, madam. There will be no great difficulty in that since I am guilty of an equal fault. Then pardons being passed on all sides. Pray, let's to church to conclude the day's work. But before you go, let me treat you, pray, with a song a new married lady made within this week. It may be of use to you both. When yielding first to Damon's flame, I sunk into his arms. He swore he'd ever be the same, then rifled all my charms. But fond of what he'd long desired, too greedy of his prey, my shepherd's flame, alas, expired before the verge of day. My innocence in lover's wars reproached his quick defeat. Confused, ashamed, and bathed in tears, I mourned his cold retreat. At length, ah, shepherdess, cried he, would you my fire renew? Alas, you must retreat like me, I'm lost if you pursue. So, madam, now had the parson but done his business. You'd be half-weary of your bargain. No, sure. I might dispense with one night's lodging. I am ready to try, sir. Then let's to church, and if it be our chance to disagree... Take heed, the surly husband's fate you see. Exuant omnis. Epilogue. No epilogue. Belinda, I swear I know of none. Lord, how shall we excuse it to the town? Why, we must even say something of our own. Our own? Aye, that must needs be precious stuff. I'll lay my life, they'll like it well enough. Come, Faith, begin. Excuse me, after you. Nay, pardon me for that. I know my cue. Oh, for the world, I would not have precedence. 
Oh, Lord. I swear. Oh, fie. I'm all obedience. First, then, know all before our doom is fixed. The third day is for us. Nay, and the sixth. We speak not from the poet now, nor is it his cause, I want a rhyme, that we solicit. Then sure you cannot have the hearts to be severe and damn us. Damn us? Let them if they dare. Why, if they should, what punishment remains? Eternal exile from behind our scenes. But if they're kind, that sentence will recall. We can be grateful. And have wherewithal. But at grand treaties hope not to be trusted before preliminaries are adjusted. You know the time, and we appoint the place, where, if you please, we'll meet and sign the peace. End of Act 5 End of The Provoked Wife, a Comedy by John Van Brooke